0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 11 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Took last Thursday off. Hope you don't mind. It was Thanksgiving after all. And uh, just wanted to chill for a little bit and uh, get ready for today's show, which is being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood, it's who we are in Hoop City. So go ahead and check them out. In today's episode, no friend of the program, uh, we're just going to go through the last three games for the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about uh, the John Moran injury and a whole lot more in PD's points today. That's what we've got going for you. Uh, This episode is going to drop uh, on Monday afternoon. By the time uh, you download this and listen to this, Grizzlies will be on their charter flight to Toronto for a Tuesday night game against the Toronto Raptors. And, um, we have done all of the COVID testing to make sure that they will let us into Canada. We have filled out all the forms. And uh, as the kids say, there's an app for that. There's actually an app now to uh, to get into Canada, which which actually, it's pretty cool. I, I hope we don't have to you know still fill out the paper forms and, and all that. But uh, yeah, we were advised that there is an app that uh, you download on your phone and you put in your arrival information and uh, upload your vaccine cards and all that jazz and... Um, They'll let you into the uh, let you into the country. So, so we did all that yesterday, uh, and we're ready to go for our one and only visit north of the border in Canada. And uh, to absolutely no one's surprise, it is snowing today, but it won't be uh, as cold as it, as sometimes we have experienced in Toronto. Toronto was a beautiful city. Uh, I it, it's on my list of cities to visit in the off-season when it's warmer and uh, you don't have to bundle up so much. But uh, Toronto, really, is, it's a beautiful city, great culture, great art scene. Uh, don't have a whole lot of time to explore it while we're there because uh, we'll, we'll get there you know, late this afternoon, early evening. I think we arrive at, at 5 o'clock Eastern time. By the time you go through customs and claim your baggage, and it is a long drive from Pearson Airport to uh, downtown Toronto uh, we're going to be getting in uh, maybe 6 6 30 tonight and uh, then you got to get got to get ready for a game tomorrow so uh, or on Tuesday so uh, so that's what we're we're up against but uh, yeah Toronto is one of those cities that uh, everybody raves about and I'd like to rave about it too I need to spend a little bit more time there but as I said I prefer it uh, without snow in any event enough enough prattling on about Toronto, let's uh, get to that was the week that was. Speaking of Toronto, they will they will lead off uh, our chat today. Uh, that was the week that was. So the Grizzlies are coming off one of the more fun victories of the season, winning at Utah. Jaron Jackson Jr. winning a jump ball, hitting a three. Grizzlies get a stop. Against Donovan Mitchell and the Grizzlies win in Utah, and you feel so good about yourselves because you played well against a team that historically has been very, very good on their home floor. And then you come home to take on the Toronto Raptors, and the Raptors come in at uh, eight and ten on the season. And you're thinking, well, you know, they're they're good, they're up, they're down. We'll 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 see what we got. Well, the Grizzlies get off to a 14 point lead, and the Grizzlies have a really good first quarter. They are leading 32 25. After one quarter, and they pushed the lead to a dozen by halftime. And you're feeling pretty good because the Grizzlies were handling their business really well. Defensively in the second half is where things really came off the rails. And when the Grizzlies defense comes off the rails, the offense seems to follow not much thereafter. Toronto outscores the Grizzlies 67-42 to in the second half, and they win by double digits after trailing by double digits big issue here we, we knew gary trent jr is one of the better three-point shooters in the nba he was good against memphis when he was a member of the portland trailblazers he was good again as a member of the toronto raptors and fred van vliet is one of those guys that if he played in a major market maybe he would get more run he would get more notoriety the guy's a grinder you know four years at wichita state I remember Van Vliet was was playing for Raptors nine hundred five, their G League affiliate, and and worked his way up. And even though Kyle Lowry is one of the greatest Toronto Raptors of all time, and I think Kyle said something to the effect that if he were to go into the Hall of Fame, he would re, he would go in as a Raptor. And it wouldn't surprise me if after he's finished in Miami or wherever his last stop is, it would not surprise me if Kyle would sign a one day contract. Uh, just to retire as a Toronto Raptor, because uh, even though he's played in Memphis and he's played in Houston, Toronto really is where his heart is. Now, having said that, Fred Van Vliet's playing so well. Different player than than Kyle Lowry, but very, very effective. And Van Vliet, solid all around game. I mean, 23 points, seven assists, six boards, two steals, and two block shots. Like I said, the guy's a grinder, very, very hard worker, and one of the undersung players players in our league. People who follow the league religiously, they know Fred Van Vliet, know how good he is. Or if you're a Toronto fan, obviously you're well aware. But the rest of the country, maybe not so much, but he he's he's a dynamite player and he's one of those guys you would absolutely love to have on your team. Trent and Van Vliet shot 50% combined from three. Uh Toronto, fifty three percent shooting in this game, only 10 turnovers. Uh, Played a fantastic second half of this ball game, and they win at 126 to 113. One of the issues again, Grizzlies on the wrong side of the three-point differential by five. 14 made threes for the Raptors, only nine for the Grizzlies on 31% shooting. First time all year the Grizzlies lost a game when shooting 50% or better. And uh, the Raptors were without their starting center, Cam Birch, and also without O.G. Ananobi, who was uh, bothered by a hip pointer. So they were missing a couple of key pieces. But uh, Precious Achua, his third quarter, was just insane where he did not miss a shot. Maybe he missed one. Finished with 17 points. And that really was the impetus for Toronto to get control of the scoreboard as they outscored the Grizzlies 32-21 in that third quarter when Achua went off. So the Grizzlies... They're back down to five hundred at nine and nine, and it it basically been riding a seesaw back and forth, over five hundred at five hundred, a game under five hundred, and then the Atlanta Hawks come in on the day after Thanksgiving, and this this was a game again the Hawks coming in a a gain above five hundred. They're missing DeAndre Hunter due to injury, but Hawks just really took advantage early in this one. And again, it was another first quarter uh, where the Grizzlies, you know, ended up being outscored They're They're at the bottom of the league in terms of four first quarter point differential, despite the fact that they score a lot of points in the first quarter, they give up a ton of points in the first quarter and a Hawks with a 29, 21 lead. And part of that was that John Morant, nine minutes in uh, felt a twinge uh, in his left knee and, and fell to the floor. Uh, and, you know, everybody was really concerned about it, and rightfully so, because it appeared it was, it didn't appear it was a non-contact injury, and all of a sudden he makes a move, and then he goes down, and uh, everybody was holding their breath. And, and Taylor Jenkins said, look, we, we pretty much lost the mojo. Once you see John Morant go down with a knee injury, and – Anybody who's been around sports will tell you that the non-contact ones are the ones that that really scare you as far as their severity. And because you couldn't see the knee twist one way or another, you really had no idea what was going on with that. And Atlanta just just blows out the Grizzlies, leading by as many as 40, and they win it by 32. Uh, this was one of the most complete demolitions of a team you'll see. Uh, Atlanta shot 58%. 58%, Grizzlies shot 41%. Um, it, it just was bad all the way around for the Grizzlies. They're out-rebounded by 13. Uh, your leading score was John Conchar off the bench with 17, uh, as basically the fourth quarter was extended. Uh, mop-up time, Tillman, Aldama, Culver, and Tilly all played the entire fourth quarter. Uh, along with John Conchar, and uh, John had himself a a super fantastic game, one point off his career high, but the game was so far out of hand at that point, and it was understandable that the Grizzlies did not bring the energy after Ja went down, but it was discouraging nonetheless that the fight seemed to be taken out of them once they saw him go down. Normally when there is an injury— You expect, uh, particularly a knee injury, you expect that there's going to be imaging the next day. The Grizzlies did do some imaging immediately after the game, and they came out and publicly said that it was a knee sprain. No timetable was given. Uh, There was also an indication from Adrian Wojnarowski that there would be additional imaging taken over the weekend. If there was, it's not something that, uh, that was made public, but... Again, all the all the comments have been it's a knee sprain. Uh, it'll be a few weeks, and so we will we will go from there. That's all the information that we have at the moment, and I'll touch more on that in Petey's points coming up in a little bit. Uh, then the Grizzlies on Sunday they get Sacramento coming in, and we we've, we've talked about Sacramento. We've talked about their organizational situation, which isn't necessarily the best. And this was one of the best efforts from the Grizzlies after, after one of the worst efforts against Atlanta, this was one of the best efforts of the Grizzlies this season. They jumped all over the Kings 38, 25. Now bear in mind that the Kings had won two in a row. Uh, They had won two of three since Alvin Gentry took in as, took over as the interim coach after the firing of Luke Walton. Kings were also coming off a triple overtime win over the Los Angeles Lakers and, Really strange, and and everybody in the NBA has, has their scheduling nightmare story, and this might be Sacramento's, where you play a road game in Los Angeles, which is downstate California, and then you fly all the way to Memphis to play one game and then fly back. But that's the way the NBA works sometimes. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is where they were able to fit the game in. The Kings were utterly Utterly disinterested in playing this game. The only reason they played this game was because it was on the schedule and and they couldn't forfeit. Uh, The Grizzlies, to their credit, came out and they did what you're supposed to do against an opponent who is struggling, uh, an opponent who maybe doesn't really want to be there uh, on on a Sunday early start, and the Grizzlies jumped out to a 38-25 lead. For the fourth time in five games, Desmond Bain, double figures in the first quarter. He comes out guns blazing. Uh, Tip of the cap to Steven Adams, who had one of the most effective games of anybody I've ever seen who scored just three points in a game. Three points, but 12 rebounds, four on the offensive end, four assists, a steal, and three block shots from Steven Adams, and a plus 22. All Five Grizzlies starters were at least plus sixteen or better. Uh, total domination by the Grizzlies in this ball game. Uh, Grizzlies were up. Uh, the score was seventy-six to fifty-two at halftime, and uh, at that point, Alvin Gentry was looking for a good start to the third quarter from his starters. He didn't get it, and so probably about uh, three, four minutes into the third quarter, uh, he just told the starters, you know what, you don't have it tonight, sit down. And so, you know, Alex Len, your starting center, gives you seven minutes, three fouls, no points, and one rebound. De'Aaron Fox, really subpar game for him, a dozen points on four of 12 shooting. Buddy Heald went one of nine from three off the bench for 14 to lead Sacramento, Grizzlies got 21 from Dylan Brooks. They got 18 from Desmond Bain. Big bench output: 14 from De'Anthony Melton and 15 from Brandon Clark, who continues his resurgence. And so the Grizzlies win it. They go wire to wire for the first time this season, and they beat the Kings, leading at one point by as many as 37, and they win it 128 to 101. So the Grizzlies get themselves back to 500, and uh, Sacramento. Goes back to the state capital of California with a record of 8 and 13. And that was the week that was. And before we continue with the Grizz Weekly grind, I want to invite you to send your questions. Let's open up the mailbag. We have not done a mailbag in forever. So go ahead and send me your questions to my Twitter direct messages. They are open. My DMs are open. At Pete Pranica is the handle. Send me your questions, and in the next edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, assuming that we have enough questions, we will open up the mailbag, and I will answer your questions. We'll get to Petey's points in a moment, but first, this reminder that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I know we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is that you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team can score and win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, that's okay. You can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. Now, if they score, you score with promo code TBPN at this week's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So with that, let's get to uh, some Petey's points today. First of all, obviously the Ja Morant injury. So what do we know about it? We know that it is a left knee injury. We know that it was his right knee that was scoped earlier in his tenure in Memphis. Non-contact injury, looks scary at the moment. Ja is on crutches. Uh, He was at practice the next day. He was on the Grizzlies bench uh, Sunday night against the Sacramento Kings. The conversations with Taylor Jenkins are avoided serious injury. He'll be out a few weeks. That's all we know at this point. We remember that last season Josh sprained his ankle and it looked really, really bad, and he was back faster than anybody anticipated. I Again, you want to be cautious and careful with knees, and the Grizzlies training staff, and athletic performance staff, and medical staff is one of the best in the NBA. They will make sure that he is really and truly ready to play, they are not going to rush him back because this is this is too important to uh, his career and to the life of the franchise to to rush him back and risk further injury. So, how do the Grizzlies work with John Morant being out? If we're talking several weeks, we're probably talking, uh, yeah, you know, New Year's Eve into into January. Let's let's assume. And, and the, all this is is, a, is a, a speculative assumption on my part is that he'll miss the month of December. So how do the Grizzlies deal with the month of December with Ja on the bench? Well, number one, Tyus Jones is, is going to be put in the spotlight as the starter. Now, last year, Jaw sat for nine games, eight of those due to injury and one. The Grizzlies were resting everybody, I think, in the last home game of the season against the Sacramento Kings, and Tyus started that game. Grizzlies went five and four. When Tyus was the starting point guard, Um, just played really good basketball against the Sacramento Kings on Sunday night. Eight assists and zero turnovers. Uh, Fantastic stuff from Tyus Jones. Hitting some floaters. Uh, He's been shooting a real good number from three this year. In fact, a career best, but you don't expect that from him. If he gives you the scoring it's going to be a bonus. What you want him to do is to make sure that everybody is in the right place offensively, the sets are run correctly, he won't turn it over, he will uh, rack up assists, and he can, more or less, in NFL parlance, manage the game uh, the way a, a quarterback might. He's not your superstar, but he's a guy who can certainly get the job done. Secondary ball handlers. Well, Desmond Bain can be a ball handler as well, and this is where the Grizzlies' decision to not really have a a true point guard at Summer League, at least not in the rotation, uh, pays off because they wanted Desmond Bain to be more of a playmaker. And so he was a primary ball handler during uh, Salt Lake City and Las Vegas Summer League. And we're going to see the benefits of that. I know when Desmond Bain was drafted, everybody was very excited about his three-point shooting, and, and rightfully so. But in talking with general manager Zach Kleiman, he said, you know, people don't always think about the fact that he was a playmaker at TCU as well. And he did a bit of that. He's going to be asked to do a bit of it here. And that's all good for the Grizzlies. There are other guys who can, even though they're not primary ball handlers, not point guards per se, but guys who can help you. Certainly, Kyle Anderson can play that role as someone who initiates the offense. You can also get that from D. Anthony Melton. Now, Are they true point guards? No. Do they have great handles? Not necessarily, but they have the ability to make the, make the good pass, make the correct pass, make the pass that leads to a basket. Uh, They can do that for you. So it'll be intriguing to watch the Grizzlies and see how they spread things out when it comes to distributing the basketball. Um, you know, how many people are going to end up getting assists. And, you know, we saw Steven Adams in the Sacramento game come up with four assists. He's having a career year. If you're looking at assist totals from that Sacramento game, Adams had four, Bain had two, Tyus had four, Melton had four, Anderson had four. Even John Contra had a couple of assists. And the Grizzlies had 30 assists for just the second time this season. So, you know, the, the ability is there. Assist numbers tell one part of the story, which is you got the ball to the right guy, but you also have to make the shot. Otherwise, it doesn't count as an assist. So how do you survive this without Ja? Well, you're going to have to have, obviously, Tyus Jones play solid basketball. You're going to have to have other guys step up from an assist perspective, but you also have to have other guys who can step up from a scoring perspective. And I thought Jaron Jackson Jr., in, in very short minutes because he was in foul trouble a good portion of the night. 17-9 and nine in 22 minutes with two blocks. Now, if you look at the splits, Jaron is averaging about 17 games in wins and 12 in losses. If you look at the advanced numbers, you see that his numbers are great when he's on the floor, or, or the team's numbers are great when he's on the floor. When he's off the floor, they're disastrous. And so Jaron has to... Be on the floor, has to be available, has to be productive. And what I liked about his game, he shoots 6 of 13 from the floor and only tries four threes. And the threes that he took were, were rhythm threes. They were good threes. They weren't, I'm just going to walk up in transition and, and, and jack up a three. So I think his shot selection was was really, really good. You're also going to need DeAnthony Melton to have to have, again, the type of game that he had against Sacramento, 14-5 with four assists and no turnovers. We've had games from DeAnthony Melton where he's been sensational and then games where he he isn't. It's going to be an all-hands-on-deck approach, and that's the only way that the Grizzlies are going to survive not having John Morant around. Uh, Petey's point number two, and, and this plays off of what I just talked about, and that is the continued growth of Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, by 30 games in last year, was not playing like a rookie. He is certainly not playing like even a second year player this year. He is playing like a seasoned veteran. He plays with an element of swag. He may have he may have already had that when he got to Memphis, but I thought it was interesting that Dylan Brooks took Desmond under his wing. And those two guys both play with an edge. They play with edge. They play with toughness. Uh, they play with a level of physicality. They play with a level of confidence that, that, that borders on arrogance. Uh, they'll, give you a, they'll give you a snarl, and, and they'll give you a, a good competitive spirit for every minute they're out on the basketball court. And Desmond is doing it in a number of ways. As I said, he will, he will be a ball handler for the Grizzlies with John Morant on the sidelines. But he will also have to be a valued scorer for the Grizzlies. And he's having himself just an outstanding season. And you're looking at him now double-figure scoring in four of the last five first quarters. So he's getting the Grizzlies off to good starts offensively. That's not been an issue by and large for the Grizzlies this year. Defensively, that is where the issue has been uh, for them, just stopping the other team. Other teams are shooting well above 50% from the floor in first quarters. And the Grizzlies have to do a better job with that. Playing off that, another guy who's really, really stepped up and Brevin and I, and I think everybody who follows the Grizzlies is thrilled to see the way that Brandon Clark has responded. Brandon Clark, you remember last year toward the end of the season and into the postseason was the forgotten man. He wasn't in the rotation. Well, he's been moved into the rotation and he has been super productive and Brevin and I have talked about this on the telecast. What he's done is he's, he's done a better job of recognizing what his strengths are and playing to his strengths. I know that between his first and second season, there was a desire on the part of the organization to say, you know, you ought to take more threes. Develop your three-point shot. Brandon can make them. That's not what he's really good at. Maybe he can develop that, but the numbers haven't been there. I know Brandon Clark, maybe it isn't the the most varied game in the world, but when he gets in the paint, he can jump over pretty much anybody. And he can finish with the floater. He can finish with with the little half hook in the lane. Obviously, he can dunk. He, He can be very, very good on the glass. That is what he does well. And I think what has happened with Brandon now is he has understood exactly what he does that makes him so special. And... It goes back to something that Taylor Jenkins said after the the Moran injury. We don't need for you to do other things. We need for you to be the best at what you do. And I think that Brandon Clark and the game that he had against Sacramento really, really embodies that because he got little shots, dotted line or below. Again, he can elevate everybody. He can flip it up. Uh, he can dunk. He's got some nice moves in the lane. That is the Brandon Clark game, and that is what we saw when he was a rookie Coming out of Gonzaga and made him all rookie last year. I think he, he maybe lost his way a little bit with what he was trying to do. That he was trying to to vary his game. And I know a conversation I had with him. He said, "Well, I'm trying to get better at everything," and I understand the sentiment, but I don't agree with I don't agree with the premise to get better at everything. Where you're now trying to do other things that maybe I understand that you have, you want to work on your weaknesses, but. You are who you are, and who you are is a very good post player, a very good player in the paint. You can develop the three-point shot, but that's not who Brandon Clark is. Brandon Clark is a guy who can, who can really be very, very good in the paint, and so you need to focus on that and be the very best you can be in that role. And if he continues to do that, it's going to be really, really good things for the Memphis Grizzlies. Petey's point number three. The Grizzlies have to have to continue to be better on defense. Um, they went through that streak where the Minnesota game was disastrous, the Toronto game was disastrous, the Atlanta game was disastrous. In those three games, the Grizzlies had defensive ratings of allowing 130 points per 100 possessions. There's no way. You're going to win basketball games. There's no offense good enough in the NBA to overcome that type of defensive performance. So, three times in four games, the exception being the Utah game, the Grizzlies had a defensive rating of 130 or higher. The Grizzlies all last season had a total of three games where they had a defensive rating of 130 or more. This team has to be better defensively, they've they've got to be more disciplined, they have to be more organized. They have to be more buttoned up. Their attention to detail has to be better. Their game plan discipline has to be good. If they can do that, and they did it against the Sacramento Kings, they're going to have to do that over and over and over again. If you can have your defensive rating on a given night anywhere 110 or below, you give yourself a chance to win. The Grizzlies are going to be able to score. But if you're giving up 130 points per 100 possessions, if that's your defensive efficiency or inefficiency, as the case may be, you're not going to beat many teams. So that is still going to be the emphasis for this Grizzlies team. Can you be better defensively? Because that's how you're going to win basketball games. That is why the Grizzlies will have a chance to be part of the postseason invitation list. It will be their defense, not necessarily – their offense last PD's point for you before we go uh just this just in Sacramento still a mess I I don't I don't I don't fully understand this organization um you know that the Marvin Bagley pick has turned out to be an absolute disaster for them you know Bagley wasn't even the first big off the bench Sunday night Tristan Thompson was Bagley came out, looked extremely disinterested. Really, the whole Sacramento team looked very, very disinterested. And I know that it was a long flight out from Los Angeles. You're playing an early game, so you know five o'clock Memphis time. It's three o'clock in the afternoon back in Sacramento. Uh, you have one game, two time zones away. I, I I get some of that, but the utter lack of interest on the part of the Sacramento Kings, I know, just totally, totally rankled Alvin Gentry, and and rightfully so. It's not going to, it's not all the coaching. Okay. I'm not going to tell you that Luke Walton was the answer to all of Sacramento's issues, but there are other issues. And some of the issues are, this is a group that isn't a group, at least from what I saw on Sunday, it's not a group that was playing with intensity, not a group that was playing together. Uh, it was a lot of guys to my eyes, just looking for numbers more than anything else. Uh, you know, and, and Buddy Hield is one of the best bench scorers in the NBA. I get that, uh, but one of nine from three, uh, bad night from him. But it was the entire team. And I made this comment to Brevin during the course of the telecast. Sacramento shoots 21% from three, and the second half it was just chucking. That's all it was. It, it was. It was. I'm going to cast the three. I'm going to cast the three. I'm going to cast the three. You know, Davion Mitchell goes one of five. Um, Jamezi Metu, who has no business shooting threes, is 0 for 6. And I turned to Brevin. I was like, look, I'm not the brightest basketball mind in the world, but what are they doing? And he says, well, that's today's NBA. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I guess I'm just too much old school. But you know what? If something isn't working, I'm going to try something else. If I'm 0 for 6 from 3, maybe I'm going to put the ball in the deck and go to the rim. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe, maybe I'm just being silly. I don't know. There's something to be said that you shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. But uh, Sacramento took it to an extreme on Sunday night. Nine of 42 from three. Almost half their shots were from three, which is kind of the way most teams roll. Most teams are rolling in, in the mid-30s to close to 40% of their shots are threes anyway. But when you're shooting 21%, maybe you ought to try to go to the rim. Just get yourself an easy one. Get a score. Get a bucket. Force the other team to take the ball out of the net. Something. But, um yeah. I don't, I don't know that this Kings, I don't know that their playoff hiatus is going to end anytime soon. It, it just, I, I look at this team and I don't know what, what their identity is. They've, they've got pieces. I mean, and and Tyrese Halliburton had one of the worst nights he's had probably this year with only five points on one of four shooting. De'Aaron Fox had an off night. Everybody had an off night from Sacramento. Uh, like I said, there's talent there. I think De'Aaron Fox is very good. Tyrese Halliburton. This should be a very good backcourt for Sacramento, but they, they, they didn't show it on on Sunday night. Buddy Healed, obviously, fantastic bench score. Bagley's not giving you anything. Tristan Thompson is late in his career, but a solid big you can bring off the bench. Alex Len has never really been a starting level big in our league. Um so you know the now. Now to be fair, to be fair, they were missing two of their better players. Harrison Barnes was out with a right foot sprain, and Rashawn Holmes was out with a non-COVID injury, uh, non-COVID illness. So they they were missing guys. So I I I, and I I sorry that I didn't bring that up early. They were missing two of their regular guys anyway. Um, and that's why you had guys like Metu and, and Len playing as starters on Sunday night. But, but still, the Sacramento team, they've just got to get it together. And hopefully Alvin Gentry, for the fans of Sacramento, hopefully Alvin Gentry can get it together uh, for that group because um, they've got talent. You know, they come off a, a triple overtime win at L.A. against the Lakers. So they have the ability to beat good teams, but not they're not not doing it on a consistent basis. And uh, certainly didn't see it Sunday, although it may not have been a fair test because they were missing uh, Holmes and Barnes. But Grizzlies don't care about that. All the Grizzlies care about is they get to win. They're now ten and ten. They will go on the road to take on Toronto on Monday night. They'll return home to take on Oklahoma City at. Uh, seven o'clock on Wednesday night. That does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grinder. Proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.